Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Wherever you are listening from, we are glad that you have joined us. Please follow us on Instagram at Sean Gaby and at Supernatural Leadership Podcast and or visit kingdomculture.ca or seangaby.com for more engaging content around topics we will be discussing. As well, you would love it if you would leave a review on this podcast as it helps boost our ability to get this content out to more people. If you are new with us today, just want to inform you that we will be releasing a new episode on the first Wednesday of every month and every so often a bonus episode. So make sure to hit the subscribe button so you can keep up to date with every episode. There are so many great leadership podcasts out there and truthfully, I love so many of them. So why supernatural leadership? Really, it's the difference between presence and principle as we discuss in episode one. The very first episode of this podcast really sets the tone for the why and purpose for this podcast. I would encourage you to have a listen if you haven't already. Simply put, we believe everyone has a leader within them at some capacity. Whether you're a CEO, non-for-profit director, media mogul, church leader, pastor, small business owner, manager of teams, a dad, a mom, and well, the list could go on. If everyone has a leader within them, why not make that leader a little more supernatural? That's the heart and goal behind this podcast, helping you connect your natural with God's super, making your leadership a little more supernatural. At the end of every episode, there will be practical activations and exercises to help us grow and mature in the various areas discussed. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast episode where we are helping the leader become a little more supernatural. Today, we are bringing something very special to you. We're going to be showing you a little bit of a snapshot of an interview that I did recently with Dr. Caroline Leaf. Dr. Caroline Leaf is globally known as what many would call a brain scientist uh, of sorts. I'm going to read a little bit of a biography as we introduce her here. Dr. Caroline Leaf has had over 30 years researching the mind and brain connection, mental health, and the formation of memory. She's a communication pathologist. She's a cognitive neuroscientist, master's and PhD in communication pathology, and a BSc in logopiatics. I have no idea if I said that right. She specializes in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology, as well as a best-selling author and TV host. That's a that's a mouthful for sure, but you're going to want to listen, tune in, open your heart, open your mind. I know this little bit of a snapshot of this interview that I did with her will be of great impact and strength for your leadership. Enjoy. I would love it before we dive into today's subject, uh, just for time's sake, if you would just give us a little bit of a backdrop of who you are, um, what you do, what you believe, what the kind of the, the studies that you've done over the years, the research you've done, just bring us into a little bit of your journey and uh, what you're about. Absolutely. I'd love to. Well, thank you so much. It's really great to be with you guys. And 
Um, I'm very excited to be able to share this information with you because it's just so important to understand. You know, we throw we throw out scriptures like we have a love power and a sound mind, but and capture bring all thoughts to captivity and renew your mind. And but I don't think people really fully grasp what that means and how powerful we actually are and what that what is the mind and what is the brain. And so I'm a cognitive neuroscientist and communication pathologist, which pretty much means that I've been studying the mind-brain connection and how we can track what we do and say back to thought patterns, back to how we built the thought in the first place, what's going on in the brain, and the whole connection between mind and brain. So in, to use a sort of spiritual language, we're talking spirit, soul, body. When we talk about science, we're talking the mind-brain connection. And so I'm a scientist, um, first and foremost. I've practiced clinically for 25 years. Um, I now basically write books. I've just finished my 18th book. And we and I go around the world teaching on this mind-brain connection in various different settings. I train physicians. I train people in the mental health community, churches, all over to help people understand the importance of mind. Most people understand mind, but they don't know what mind actually is. And there's a lot of confusion around that. And we also don't always understand the impact of our mind on our physiology. And so that relationship is very important to understand because the fact that we live in a body, we, we need to know how to manage our brain and our body. And so mind is how we do that. So mind is vitally important in terms of how we function. So I started my research back in the 80s. And back in the 80s, we were, we were told that the brain couldn't change. And that I challenged very early on because obviously we're changing all the time. We're growing as humans. So it didn't make sense that we know we as humans are changing and growing and every day new experiences change us. But the science was telling us at that point that the brain couldn't change. So I started working with people with traumatic brain injuries, really severely damaged um, brains. And um, I was told by my professors that it was a ridiculous pursuit because if you've dam your brain's damaged, that's it. Just teach your patient to compensate. But I felt that was such a hopeless outlook. And that outlook was applied across the board, all different neurological issues, mental health issues, and so on. And I thought, well, this is not the truth. And so I started doing some of the first neuroplasticity research in in the world in the 80s. So neuroscience and neuro, neuroplasticity were two words that weren't spoken about very much at all in the 80s. Now they're very commonly spoken about neuroscience, neuroplasticity, neurogenesis, all those kind of things. People very focused on brain. But 30, in, the, in the 80s, that wasn't the case. And so it was it was quite a lonely world. There was only a few of us out there that were really into this thing. But I show that when you are determined, when you are when you use your mind, when you deliberately and intentionally manage your mind, mind management, when you deliberately and intentionally manage how you think and feel and choose, which is your mind, you can change your brain structure. You can change your social, emotional, cognitive, behavioral functioning. So I showed that with statistical significance. We saw people that were written off as vegetables going back and doing university degrees and not just one, but thousands. And then I worked in South Africa for 25 years. That's where I was. Um, I was born in Zimbabwe, grew up in South Africa. And I worked in through the pre-apartheid, the apartheid transition in the post-apartheid era. And as you know, apartheid is terrible, where racism was basically legalized. And, you know, we're seeing this all over the world at the moment. The Thank goodness, the outcry against um, racism. But I worked in, in, in those environments and I saw firsthand the effects of racism and the effects on the impact of mental health and education and learning and just the inhumanity of it. So I spent a lot of time researching how 
we can use our mind to overcome these these traumas. And I worked in all different kinds of environments. And now I, I did a lot of research, did a lot of in the field research, and I also now formally doing a lot of clinical trials. And I do I use the gold standard of research, which is double blind random controlled trials. If you don't know what that means, it's the gold standard. And I've done that. I've done different types of research, and I do research this way to be able to really show people that when you understand your mind and you understand mind management and you use and you renew your mind and capture those thoughts and recognize the power of your mind, you can transform not just yourself because it's not just about you, but it starts with you, but it's about you in the world. So then you can have the impact in the world that you should have. So I say all that to say, Sean, that years and years, 38 years of research, clinical expertise, working with we reach millions around the world now, written so many books. I say all of that to say, I can have I have the knowledge and experience of being able to tell you a very important factor, and that is that mind comes before anything. It's your mind, your ability to think, feel, and choose that God has given us. It is the first order. If you don't get your mind right, you can do all the courses, say all the prayers, use God as a genie, use prayers as a band-aid, use positive affirmations as a band-aid. You can do all, read all the self-help books. You can read, go on every Bible study course that you can think of. But if your mind is not right, it's just information that you're building into your brain. It's not going to transform who you are as a person. So you have to use your mind to manage your mind, which means you've got to understand your mind. So that's been the pursuit of my studies. And we've just done a, a two, two big clinical trials last year. And I was analyzing it now over this, actually over this time of COVID when we were in quarantine and finishing a book or whatever. So I can share some of those results today. But what's amazing is when one of the main results that we found was that when you deliberately and intentionally capture thoughts and renew your mind, which is the spiritual words, it's on the and the scientific side, when you when you basically are controlling how you think, deliberately and intentionally managing your mind, you change your brain, and you can manage anxiety and depression and improve it by up to eighty percent. I mean, that's phenomenal. Amazing. We see massive changes within an individual and organizations in terms of change when people deliberately and intentionally use their mind correctly. So that's a big picture. Now we can unpack it into the little, into the little pieces. Wow, that's amazing. I want to ask you a question because I feel like a lot of people don't really understand this idea about the mind and the brain. Can we talk about that for a second? Is the mind the same thing as the brain? When you talk about switch on your brain, are we talking about the mind or would you separate the two? Can we go there for a little bit? Sure, absolutely. Before I answer that, Sean, I just want to preempt that answer with a very quick statement that when we talk about science, we're talking about spirituality. I just want to make that easy for people to understand up front because a lot of people think, okay, when you talk science, you're not talking God stuff. There's a real real backward thinking in the church across the world. So I always want to just stress that, that science is the same as spirituality. I always say the Bible's the story and science tells us how the story works. Science comes from the word sclera, which means knowledge, and knowledge is all knowledge is from God. So just, just so that people can relax, because I'm going to talk about words like energy. And, and if you don't like the word energy, then you mustn't watch on, you mustn't watch Zoom because it's energy that is helping us to get Zoom working and your cell phone and whatever. So I just want to take some of the mystery 
um, that has come around words like science and energy and people tend to switch off and think it's something weird when without where's all the knowledge coming from it's coming from god science helps us understand that so um when we talk about that so that's just to, to sort of preempt the discussion that we're going to be diving into because we're going to be talking a lot of science if i don't say another scripture i'm still talking god's stuff because i'm talking about god's knowledge about how we work so just just to help people understand that okay so the mind and the brain are separate but inseparable so here's an here's an easy way of understanding it here's a model of a brain so there's a brain Okay, um, and in a skull, that's a kind of wake up when you see, when you see that kind of thing. So this this is a physical structure. We've been studying it now for years, and in the last thirty years that I've been in thirty eight years I've been in this field, the, our knowledge of this has just expanded. I mean, the brain is phenomenal, and we are understanding more about it every day. And everything that we thought we knew about the brain keeps changing. So we are advancing almost daily in understanding how the brain works. So a lot of the work I've been involved in as well has been trying to understand what a memory is, what a thought is, how thoughts form in the brain, what is actually going on in here, how does it work, how does this brain actually work, not just on the physiological level and the neurophysiological level, but how does it work in terms of as we as humans are thinking and so on. So that's the brain is physical, made of cells, structures, cells, etc. But the mind is something of a more quantum nature. Quantum means energy. Energy, um, Einstein won the Nobel Prize, in, as we know, in 1905, I think it was, for his work on electro, uh, on basically on quantum, quantum on, on electromagnetic energy and how we have packets of energy. So I'm just mentioning Einstein because everyone's comfortable with, the, with Einstein. So when I, talk about the, when I talk about the mind, I'm talking about a lot of the work that Einstein was very mystified by, but he knew was a reality. And he was part of a group of quantum physicists um, and they, they that were really trying to grapple and understand this ability that we have like right now, we're thinking, we're talking, we're having conversation. You, your, your viewers are all processing this. You're thinking deeply, you're being challenged, et cetera. In, we go into life and there's all these things going on around us. And so in other words, we are humans experiencing life and we have our philosophies and belief systems and opinions that's all this mind stuff in other words you're not just sitting there as a robot with no processing going on you are a unique individual and you are responding to the experiences of life and this response that you have is mind Mind is very, very spiritual. Mind is separate from the brain. It's huge. Your mind, I like to explain the mind. If you want Christianese, it's the spirit and the soul. So the, it's encompassed within the spirit and the soul. So the mind is the 99% of who we are. And the brain and the body collectively are the 1% of who we are. So the brain and the body are physical. And they are 1% of who we are. The brain and the body collectively are made up of 75 to 100 trillion cells or somewhere in that region. And so that physical component of us is around 1%. It doesn't make the, the physical unimportant. It's extremely important because that is what we express our spiritual nature through. So our spirit, when we talk about our spirit, we're talking about our mind or spirit and soul mind, the non-physical. So I can use the words interchangeably now. When I talk about your spiritual nature, I'm talking about your mind um, and I'm talking about the non-physical in science. In science, we refer to it as the non-physical and the physical. So the non-physical and physical interlock and we've seen through the advanced sciences like quantum physics, which is considered the most accurate and fundamental of sciences. When you see, when you blend in quantum physics, for example, with neuroscience, 
you can start seeing the relationship between the mind and the brain. So right now, you all your brains are being activated by what you're hearing and what you're seeing. And that activation is this, um, you're seeing me, you're seeing Sean, you're seeing this image of the brain, you're hearing sounds, you're aware of the lights and the noise around you and colors and all that. All that is stimulation. It all goes into your brain as quantum energy. And then your brain responds on an electrochemical, electromagnetic, and a, and a quantum and a genetic level, which means that your brain is receiving your thinking, feeling, choosing response. So all the stimulations coming in, the stimulation makes you think, feel, and choose. And then that's all going through your brain and your brain is responding. So think of it like a wave. There's a wave of, for every bit of information you see and hear, which is all day long, you always experience From the time you open your eyes, you are in, in the immersed in the experiences of life. So these waves of life coming at you, and that is energy. And you think, you, you, you basically focus on it, you think, feel, choose, and then it moves through your brain. You think, feel, choose, you take it in, and then it moves through your brain and your brain responds. And as your brain is responding, right, it, it affects your blood flow, your hormones, your heart. So your thinking is driving the functioning of your body right down to the level of the DNA. So for example, in my most recent clinical trial, we looked at, at, at different things, and one of the things we looked at was the DNA. So if you think of the DNA as like a little staircase, we've all seen the twisted staircase of the DNA, and on the DNA, you've got your gene code. And we, we can take from the gene code, we can also get down to the level of chromosomes, okay? So the code is on the chromosomes, but let's look at a chromosome, which is in the DNA. It looks like a little X. And on the end of the chromosome, you have little caps. So you can look at my fingernails. They're like little socks on the ends of chromosomes or like the little plastic thing on shoelaces. So what we see is that when you are thinking and feeling and choosing, you basically are influencing everything right down to how those little socks on those chromosomes are functioning. Why is that important? That's important because those little socks, they are being used up constantly as you are thinking, feeling and choosing. And they basically, they are used a part of your cells regenerating. So every every second you make 810,000 cells. And the quality of those cells are determined by the quality of the telomeres and a lot of other stuff too, but these little, little socks. And those are determined by how you're thinking and feeling and choosing, which determined your sleep, how you woke up this morning, how you function during the day. So your mind is your thinking, feeling, choosing energy, and it's affecting everything right down to how these things are functioning. So we see when people are stuck when they don't have a revived mind, when they're not renewing their mind, when they're not capturing thoughts, when they're just reacting, when they are just getting caught up in anxiety and depression and frustration and worry and anguish and all, and just like zooming from one thing to the next or falling from one thing to the next chaotically, we see many, many consequences. But one is that these telomeres shorten. And when they shorten, your cell health fun is, is, is affected. Your cells of your brain, your cells of your body will be negatively affected. So we saw within a short period, just in nine weeks, we saw people's telomeres shorten significantly by uh, significantly in making their biological age, which is the age of your organs, um, older than your actual age. So we had like some of the subjects that uh -oh. were biological age was up to 20 to 30 years older than the actual age. So we had 35 years old with a 65 year old cell health. And that goes for the brain and the body. So you can, I'm telling you this just for you to get a picture in your mind that the direct influence 
there's others, obviously what you eat and all these things are also, all the lifestyle factors are influenced, but the main factor that influences physiological functioning is what you're doing with your mind. So mind is separate from brain, but mind completely impacts brain because mind uses brain and body to express itself. Wow. So therefore, if your mind's a mess, your brain and body will be a mess. But if you're, we saw that in the same clinical trials, when you teach people to manage their mind, which is bring thoughts into captivity, renew your mind, all that stuff, everything that we're supposed to be doing, which we can talk about in more depth, we saw the telomeres significantly lengthen. So instead of shortening, they got longer. So people's biological age then decreased and it, and it matched their chronological age. And so their cell health improved. And that's just one level. I mean, I'll throw in other things that so happen. What you're saying really is that as they get longer, health happens, right? Exactly. The transformation happens. And I, I, I love what you said about how the mind and brain, they're separate, but yet inseparable in the sense that, that one influences the other. Because really what... You're saying, and I want to read this out of Romans 12. You've kind of referenced it without referencing it because I love how you you talk about how this our spirituality is connected and interlinked with science. And Romans 12, I mean, Paul wrote this, and he's, I mean, he talks over and over again about the mind. All throughout about all throughout his letters, you see it over and over again about the mind, the mind, the mind. And he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, out of the Passion Translation, I love how it's worded here. It says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, which actually means to, to not be squeezed into the mold of this present age. But then it says this, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think, total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. I love that because... It really encapsulates this idea of the evidence of a transformed mind. The evidence of a healthy mind is a transformed life. It's the metamorphosis of who we are. It's the blossoming of who we are. I think a lot of us have been stuck for so long because of how we think. I mean, we see it in Proverbs as a man thinks, so is he. We become the very image of what we think about ourselves. I mean, the Bible says that we can't, if, if we can't love ourselves, we can't love our neighbor. And we get stuck because of a bad perspectives about ourselves. And it, like you've been saying without even really saying it, it's like rewiring our brain. It's, it's like our brain is rotting because of how we think about ourselves. And I'd love for you to talk about, give us some practical tools on how do we take this scripture, Romans 12, how do we practically apply it? Because one of the things that I know you're really good at is You've, you've been able to help people establish scalable, practical solutions on how they can rewire their brain, which, which you're connecting is to the mind, which you're ultimately connecting to the spirit and soul. So if the transformation of our life is the evidence of a revived, healthy mind getting us unstuck in life, how do we do that? What are some practical tools? You know, we've heard it takes 21 days. It takes 61 days to or 21 or 61 i've heard 62 i can't remember the exact number you can bring us along the journey here to un to to, to rewire our thinking to change the brain talk about that how do we practically do it okay well just to answer that basically what we need to do is recognize or need to understand first of all is that our brain is neuro 
plastic. Neuro means brain, plastic means to change. So the big thing is you can change your brain. And that is what neuroplasticity is. And that's what um, was not accepted until the 90s. Well, in the late 80s, myself and a lot of our colleagues, my, my colleagues were studying that. But basically, you change your brain. So you're using mind to change matter, which is very, very powerful. So the love, power, and sound mind that we have is actually changing matter. It is mind over matter. Wow. Okay? So there, there is obviously, and just having, I just want to quickly put in a proviso. We do, we are living in a world of chemicals, fast food, and people not, you know, people also being very succumbing to a lot of uh, bad habits like technology and that kind of stuff. And that in itself is also putting stuff in your brain. So whatever you eat, whatever you drink, <coughs> sorry, whatever you, um, whatever you're exposed to in the environment is also going in your brain and affecting how your brain functions. But you, you with your mind can, you can make choices about what you're going to eat, about what you're going to exercise, how you're going to exercise, how you control chemicals, etc. Because all of those change the brain. Every experience your brain has is driven by your thinking. Your thinking then leads to what you eat, what you do, how you react, where you go, what you put in your body. So your mind is driving everything. So it's very, the first very practical thing is, is to understand mind is controlling it all even down to the point of what you eat but if you so if you just mindlessly eat the modern american diet or processed food you are damaging the brain you're going to have high levels of sugar in your brain you're going to have um you're basically setting yourself up for dementias if you're living on a multiplicity of psychotropic drugs, you're setting yourself up for dementias. If you're living on constantly putting chemicals in your body, not working on your GI, you know, the, the mind brain connection, these are all realities, but it's your mind because I can tell you how to eat a healthy, how to eat a healthy way, but you're going to have to make the mind decision to do that. So I'm using food as an example because it's an easy example. It's not as easy to when we talk about thinking. It's always it's easier to we can all picture doing exercise and we can all picture eating healthy. But when it comes to getting our mind, using our mind to control our mind, it's a little bit of a harder concept to understand. So we, to use our mind to make decisions about food, I get that. To use my mind to make decisions about exercise and, and et cetera, I get that. But when it comes to controlling the chaos of our minds, that's where we lose it a little bit. And that's got a lot to do with really un not understanding what the mind is. So I'm going to come back and redefine mind. And then I'm going to talk about certain principles and then take us into some practical stuff. That's okay. Mind is how you think, how you feel, and how you choose. So that's your definition of mind. So mind is how you think, how you feel, and how you choose. Very, very important that you get a hang of. Which, which really, sorry to interrupt you, which really is a great definition of the soul. So, yes, when we talk about mind, we are talking about the soul. So we're talking about the spirit and the soul. So we're talking about that almost you know, that, that invisible that the Bible talks about. So the invisible, and that's the connection to God. So Bishop Barclay 350 years ago said, if God wasn't looking, no one would exist. And I use that to just contextualize the fact that our spirit and our soul are this energy that is connected to God. So like we plug our cell phone into charge, we plugged into God. That is the source of all, who's this, you know, God is the source of all energy. 95% of quantum physicists agree that um, as humans, our ability to think and feel and choose is the most fundamental and important thing, and that it is connected to a supernatural force. Isn't that amazing? Wow. So, and that's very simplified. Wow. They use much more technical language, but essentially, 
mind is considered in quantum physics, which is considered the most accurate and fundamental of all sciences and explains all the other sciences. So it explains classical physics, it explains everything. It's the core of all the biologies, all the sciences, you, wow. everything about how the world works. It's fundamental. And that fun, and I always stress this because the fundamentality of quantum physics is talking about the spirit. It's literally talking about our spirit, our, this, the spirit and soul combination, which is our mind, which is our ability to think, feel, and choose. So you're always thinking, feeling, and choosing. It's a trifecta. They work together. When you think, you feel. When you feel, you choose. When you think, feel, and choose, you're doing this 24-7. It's done so fast. On your spiritual level, you're doing it at 10 to the 27, which is more than 400 billion actions per second, which is in then infinitely faster than the speed of light. You know, we always talk about the speed of light being, it's, it's not, the speed of light is slow, okay, compared to the power wow. of the mind. So we, we experience this incredible speed of thinking, feeling and choosing. We experience that consciously around about every 10 seconds. So more or less every 10 seconds, we kind of get this a little bit of an awareness of ourselves or what we're thinking or what we're experiencing. So around about six times a minute, and we, I know we don't consciously, I'm just giving you the, the science and the mathematics, but I'm taking this to a point, is that we have been, our brain and our mind, the relationship has been designed in such a way that our thinking, feeling, choosing mind, which is super fast, which uses the brain, um, we, and, and as it uses the brain, we get these experiences of conscious awareness around about every 10 seconds. So the conscious mind is only awake when you're awake. The non-conscious mind, that spirit soul level, is awake 24-7. So the mind's got two components. This huge mind that's connected to God, that's the biggest part of us, this 99% part of us, has got a conscious element that's only awake when you're awake, and then it's got a non-conscious element that's awake 24-7. And it's there that all our thoughts with all the, the memories and emo the, the emotional memories and the informational memories and everything are stored, our belief systems, everything you've been, been exposed to, etc. Well, can I, can, I just, can I just ask you a question really quick? Would, would you say that the because you mentioned the conscious mind and the unconscious mind the conscious mind that's awake 24 7 would you call that the spiritual consciousness of a person versus the natural let's call it natural just for for terminology's sake the natural consciousness would that just be you know like you said when you're awake so it's like the the the, the there's a spiritual side and a natural side would you would you call it can you call it that i wouldn't call it that at all okay. no because all of us are spiritual. We, we're spiritual beings through and through. We just express our, our spirituality in a different way. So we've got on our non-conscious mind, we can't see. We can understand it a little bit using quantum physics and then obviously spirituality, philosophy, the way just just the mere fact that we are humans that can think and feel and choose all those, that, that, that big stuff, that, that stuff that explains the uniqueness of you and, and how a man, how we write and write books and think about things and philosophy, all that is the, that's the um, evidence, free will, choice, etc. The, the, the choices people make, that is kind of the evidence of this, the spiritual nature that we can't, um, that we can't really see, but we know exists. So mind, the, the, so all of that can be called mind. And then that mind has, and then you have the physical brain and body. So mind's massive. It's infinite and it is, it's so huge and so fast. But within mind, the circle of mind, we have the split of the non-conscious and the conscious mind. So it's not so much the natural, and the, that's, that's not the correct way of looking at it. Conscious means you're awake. 
non-conscious, N-O-N, means that uh, is, is basically where the intelligence resides, where the wisdom resides, where this action, this really super fast action resides. The conscious mind is much slower than the non-conscious mind. Unconscious means something different, UN, unconscious. We People often refer to the unconscious mind, but unconscious means you knocked out from you, you someone knocked you on the head and knocked you out, or you've had an anesthetic or something. That's unconscious. Non-conscious is not asleep. Non-conscious is a 24-7 dynamic, humongous part of us. And that's where, that's where all of our memories are stored within thoughts. And that's part of our mind. And then we've got our conscious part is what only awake when you're awake. So the, that's then the experience of life. We use the conscious mind to experience life and to tune in to the wisdom of the non-conscious mind. Because when we are aware of something, that's when we can change it. So if we to take to make this really easy to understand, mind is then this huge thing. We've got this conscious part that's that moves a bit slower at two thousand actions per second, only awake when you're awake, and then you've got the non-conscious part that's operating twenty four seven, operating at about four hundred million actions per second. It's in that non-conscious part where all of our memories which are housed within thoughts, are stored. And they keep changing. They keep adding. Every moment you're experiencing something, you're adding more to the unconscious mind. So it's massive. And it's all connected to God, who's the energy source. So without God, we can't survive. So Job 32, 8, the breath of life. So the brain is just the physical that it works through. So obviously, whatever our mind is doing, on this non-conscious and conscious level is going to be expressed through the brain and through the body, through the DNA, like I explained earlier on, and it impacts. Obviously, then the, the physical is going to um, be experiencing the effects of the, of, the, of the mind. So mind, this big thing, think, feel, choose. We think, feel, choose on a non-conscious level, which is the fastest part of us, always awake, where the intelligence is. We think, feel, and choose on a conscious level, but only when we're awake. So right now, you and I have got our conscious and our non-conscious mind working. Now, here's the power. The power resides in the non-conscious and conscious and the relationship between them. So when we talk about connecting with the Spirit of God or being having a leading by of the Holy Spirit or praying to the Spirit of God or being led by the Spirit of God, all the terminology we use, the science of that is that you are using your conscious mind deliberately and intentionally to tune in to your wisdom, which is your tuning, tuning into your non-conscious mind, which is where wisdom is, because that's directly connected to God. Wow. You're tuning into the Spirit of God, but you can choose to not tune into the Spirit of God. You can never switch off because you'd be dead. So whether you believe in God or not, the fact that we're alive, we, as Bishop Barclay said, is because we connected to God. But we don't necessarily tune into that wisdom. So we have our own internal level of wisdom because God's made us brilliant, but we that wisdom is accelerated and enhanced when we tune into the Spirit of God, when we tune into true wisdom. Well, I hope that encouraged you. Your mind probably is blown. Uh, if you enjoyed the first part of this interview, I'd encourage you to watch the rest on our Kingdom Culture YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com forward slash kingdom culture and find the full interview with Dr. Caroline Leaf up there. Uh, I know it will strengthen your leadership, empower you, open you up a little bit more. Please subscribe to the channel, like it, share the video on your social media as it will help uh, get this information and amazing, amazing um, substance out to so many people. Well, we're praying and we're believing that through this podcast that your leadership becomes a little more supernatural. So thank you for tuning in. 
to our Supernatural Leadership Podcast, and we will see you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.